across the United States, Indigenous families are searching for their loved ones. For closure. We would tell each other, what, what do you think she said? And what was her last words, you know? Did she cry for help or did she pray? The missing and murder Indigenous women. Alka, this is Mary. Ketanani, this is Sylvia. And, and welcome, welcome to the, the Native, Native Sisters Podcast. everybody welcome to the native sisters podcast we're so excited to get started so if you don't know who we are uh, we're native indigenous sisters um, we're from the kumeyaay and maidu tribes in california our mom is kumeyaay from the campo band of mission indians and our father is maidu from the berry creek rancheria in northern california in our podcast, we'll focus on a few different topics. Our episodes will include murdered Indigenous people, awareness on issues in our Indian communities around the country, as well as some fun folklore, Native folklore, and some spooky stories that we're going to be sharing with everybody. We wanted to talk about a big part of why we're doing this and why we're starting our podcast and supporting our communities all over the native communities and Sylvia is going to go into some of our details that we found. I was looking up trying to find like statistics about missing murdered indigenous people and most of the statistics are women based and our podcast is going to focus more on all people. The national crime reports that in native women murders are 10 times higher than that of the national average. So murder is the third leading cause of death for Native women. Um, So why are we going unheard? Some of the things that I found just by researching in general um, that came up, Native stereotypes affect search efforts. So, I mean, that's obvious. The history of violence of Native people in colonialism in America hinders current community and law enforcement perspective. So maybe law enforcement views the native case less than it would view someone off the reservation. Um, Positioning victims at fault. It's their fault. They're just, you know, stereotypical native and they don't want to look into it. So it just gets brushed away. Going along with that, law enforcement turns a blind eye and it seems as if there's no hope and then the family just kind of gives up because law enforcement isn't helping. And going off of that also is a lack of tribal jurisdiction beyond the reservation borders, which I think is a huge, huge part of this because sometimes when you call the cops, the cops don't come because they don't have to. Especially Um, here on like the reservation because we do live in... Campo Reservation in California, so and, and we're and we're a border reservation to to an international border, yeah, to Mexico. So it's just even when we do call the cops, how long is it going to take to get here? Like if we had something happen, if they come, yeah, if they come, because sometimes they don't. Um, but we it's definitely a big struggle in our community and all Native communities on the reservations, and even like especially here, like like the. The cops already 
have their kind of views towards maybe certain families or certain parts of the reservation and that kind of hinders, you know, what they want to do. And we're kind of stuck, you know, so I know we don't, <clears throat> the, the jurisdiction thing is kind of a, a really huge part it plays in a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure other reservations are the same. And so, stereotyping we don't, too. Campo doesn't have a law enforcement like department. So we don't have like a court. We don't have police. I mean, the casino has security, sometimes but the res doesn't. There's sometimes the tribal police, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. I know we did for a little bit and everybody was hating on them and they, quit, and they ended up quitting or I don't know what happened actually, but they aren't here no more. <laughs> so currently we don't have any law enforcement specifically for the res, so we rely on the local sheriff in the border towns to come if we need help. Yeah. Or I guess if something like murder or something happens, then the um, BIA sends out somebody to investigate, I guess. Yeah. Which has, that's happened, like, recently, within... The last year or so. Well, last year, and then we lost our cousin. There's been multiple murders on our reservation within the last five years. There's mm-hmm. probably been about three. Yep. And, uh... The one that happened like a year ago just recently got some action into it. So it takes a while. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. If at all. And I think a big part of that is like stereotyping because everybody, oh, well, they're drunks or alcoholics and that that's the life they live. So they're tweakers and they shouldn't have been over there anyway. You know, like it's annoying. But yeah, and that's the big reason why we're doing this is because we want to get awareness out there for our people mm-hmm. to help find our people to get justice for our people or remember and them like the ones who were murdered you know remembering them keeping awareness on what happened if you know if it was like domestic violence if it was substance abuse if it was just racial based you know having awareness on that kind of stuff is kind of what we're kind of trying to do yeah but also you know we're not going to be um You know, some Debbie Downers doing super sad stories all the time. Even though they're spreading awareness, we still want to do some fun stories, some spooky spooky stories. We have a lot of, you know, all natives have those funny (laughs) ghost stories, all kinds of stuff. We definitely have some stories to tell you. Yeah. We want to hear your stories, too. Yeah. (laughs) So we also wanted to give everybody... um, advisory that we may be discussing some things that are uncomfortable um explicit it might trigger trigger warnings yeah yeah there's some you know um difficult things that we're going to be saying and you know talking about their stories and some of it's you know even difficult to even talk about also we wanted to just say that the research that we do on on these cases or whatever we're working on is just general information that we search you know on the web whether it be articles talking to somebody so I mean if our information isn't 100% correct then you know let us know and we'll fix it or you know it's just in general it's not we're not private investigators we can't get into certain documents but you know also we're just learning we just started this so Hello, beautiful indigenous people out in Indian country and beyond. Uh, Episode one, 
We are going to be listening to Mary, and she investigated a case. So now, take it away. You know, like when they're calling the drum at the powwow. <laughs> take it away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, episode one. Uh, I'm going to be covering Angela Lynn McConnell. Um, Angela was from Northern California. She was born December 20th, 1991. Um, her nickname was Ange. Ange was from the Hoopa Valley tribe in Northern California with Mojave, Yurok, and Kuruk ancestry. Kuruk. Kuruk. <laughs> um, almost 3,000 people live within the reservation boundaries in Hoopa and approximately 2,500 tribal members. I was trying to find information on how many enrolled members, but I, I don't know if they have that information. Or I wasn't able to find it. So, you Hoopa Indians, let us know. Let us know how many, <laughs> how many tribal members you guys got out there. Um, for those of you who don't know where Hoopa is or where it's located, Hoopa is in Humboldt County, approximately 60 miles from Eureka by the California coast. You know, Humboldt, where all the weed grows. Yeah, <laughs> where all the weed in, growers in, are. In the Emerald Triangle. Yeah, what was the name of that um, that show on Netflix? Oh, Something yeah. Mountain. Murder Mountain. Murder Mountain, yeah, that yeah. was crazy. If you guys get a chance, it's definitely... In the vicinity, in the area. Interesting story. Nothing to do with this. Yeah, nothing but. to do with this. It was just... Yeah, it was crazy. Um, Hoopa is 111 miles to Redding, California inland. Ange was the only daughter of Tammy and the only sister of her brother. Um, I had a difficult time. I figure it's gonna, I'm gonna have a, we're both gonna have a difficult time finding information on these cases because there's not a lot of cases that are covered and there's not a lot of information out there. So we're gonna do our best in trying to find out this information for you. Angela was loved by her family very much. I feel like a lot of Native families are really close. Yeah. I don't know if that's just like in general, but I feel like, especially in our community where everyone's close, all our families are close, we all know each other, you know, we all show our love to each other, definitely. Angela was a graduate of Hoopa Valley High School, and she went to College of the Redwoods in Humboldt County and she was pursuing her degree in nursing. And she really wanted to be a journalist or a creative writer. Angela liked to write poetry. She did visual arts. Um, her first job was at a library. Um, she even worked at Two Rivers Tribune newspaper, writing columns on her community. Um, she did work at the Hoopa Tribal Radio Station, KIDE-FM. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and she even had her own Facebook page labeled Hoopa People's News. Oh, so she run like a group fa Facebook. Yeah. Um, Ange was remembered as a bright-spirited person, someone who brightened every room when she entered. And just through like looking through her Facebook and when I was researching, she was a Raider fan, she liked Game <laughs> of Thrones, she liked country music and hip-hop and R&B. Basically um, every Indian out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And she she liked scenic photos also. Like she always had like posted pictures of 
beautiful scenic Yeah, because she lived by the Redwoods. It's really pretty up there. Yeah, she had all kinds of, you know, pictures and stuff. Um, on September 7th, 2018, deputies responded to a report of two bodies found near 500 Black Canyon Road in the city of Shasta Lake. The Shasta County Sheriff's Office officers reported that Angela Lynn McConnell and her 31-year-old boyfriend, Michael Thomas Bingham Jr., were found dead. She was 26 years old at the time of her death. So they they already knew who they were, like, right away? Or they no. took a while? No, they um, report, they've reported two bodies being found. Um, and later on, she was identified by her fingerprints. Oh. I looked up the location, and, and it's kind of by, like, a wooded area. It's about 10 miles outside of Redding, California. Yeah, so Shasta Lake is by Redding, which is 100 miles from where she lived. Yes. Well, yes. She was previously in Hoopa, but I had some, you know, difficult time finding information, obviously. But um, she was, it says that she was living in a transient camp during the time of her death. I don't know how she was there, like why, what, why she ended up there, what she was doing there. I'm not too sure. Didn't, you know, have a lot of information on that. Shasta Lake is about five miles to where their bodies were found at 500 Black Canyon Road in Shasta Lake. So it's just, and it's not as close to the lake, but the name of the city is Shasta Lake. So if anyone's confused, because I was a little <laughs> confused at first. Andrew was 26 years old at the time of her death. And the 10 miles outside of Redding, California, it was kind of near a housing development, but it was in the woods a little bit. And I looked it up and I'll be sharing photos of what it looked like, where the location looked like. It was kind of in the woods off like a dirt road. And um, they didn't have any pictures of like the transient camp or anything like that. Um, for those of you who don't know what a transient camp is, it might, it's just like a temporary campsite that they're staying. Could be, you know, homeless Could people. Probably lots of tents. Yeah, I did see tarps. some reports that it was a homeless camp. Um, I'm not sure. A kind of conflicting information. Yeah, definitely. At the end of the street, there's two dirt roads that split, and I believe it was to the left, the left dirt road, like where they found them. Um, it's kind of creepy looking at the trees and everything, you know, just way out and so like just like you know, there's so many trees out there. Well, yeah, because like a lot of people who are listening, maybe, and and you you think of California, you think like beaches or desert, but up in Northern California where this is, it's like heavily wooded. It's all green, you know, in Multiple a lot of places. Lakes. Yeah, lakes and rivers. It's not like your basic beach town. And just a trigger warning on this. There's some graphic content I'm going to be sharing. Um, In some sources, Angie's mother said that she was shot at close range with the shotgun. There were reports that she was so disfigured that her own mother wouldn't be allowed to identify her. And she was later identified by her fingerprints. According to the Shasta County Sheriff's Office Office incident report online, 18 deputies and personnel responded to the scene. 
um, at the Shasta County home near Shasta Lake where um, the local homeowners and people were interviewed there. So she was found on like a, a driveway? Well, it's the end of a driveway. So it's like a street and the housing, like a, there's a bunch of houses around there, but then there's a dirt road that cuts off and I guess that's where the camp was. It wasn't too far from there. And then uh-huh. that's where they found them. Two days prior to their bodies being discovered in the wooded area, there were reports that there were gunshots in the neighborhood. Um, but it wasn't clear or reported that these were related to the double homicide. There were reports Ange and her boyfriend were staying at the site, the campsite. Ange's services were on September 15th. Um, it was a Saturday at 10 a.m. Her family and friends gathered to say their goodbyes to Ange. Just reading through these articles and different information that I found, there wasn't... If It seems like the police or the detectives, they didn't have a lot of information on this case. And this case is still unsolved. There was no justice served for Ange and her boyfriend. Um, there was other cases, you know, articles that I read that her mother said that the police were, you know, stereotyping her daughter to be, oh, well, she was living in a homeless shelter and, you know, just stereotyping that she was... Like those kind of people do certain things. Yeah, and she was, like, native, so, but, you know, all her kids went to college and she went to college and, you know, they were educated people and for them to stereotype her is just wrong. So they, the whole family, they were trying to, you know, get information. Her family, her friends tried to get information from the detectives and the uh, sheriffs. And there were no leads. And then they wouldn't disclose any of the information. There's no leads at this time. So even a year later, um, all her family and friends gathered in Hoopa, California on September 7th in 2019 to call attention to the unsolved murder of Angela McConnell. And the even then, a year later, the sheriffs had no leads, no information, and it was still inconclusive. The big question, like, okay, well, is the sheriff, Shasta County sheriffs, equipped to handle a case like this? Did they have DNA? Was there footprints? Was there tracks? Like, did they get all this information? I don't know. They didn't have any, I mean, obviously they're not sharing this information, but I did see that Angie's case had more than three different detectives on her case. So I don't know if that's like turnover. I'm not sure. Well, like if, if it's an open case still, like the law enforcement isn't supposed to give anybody information because. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's probably tough. Yeah, especially for the family, because, you know, they do want closure, and I couldn't imagine what they're going through, you know, having, not knowing, you know. And they're so far away from Shasta Lake. Yeah. Hoopa's pretty far away. Over 100 miles. I mean, I've driven that road before that goes out to the coast, as we say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Angie's family has been fighting for justice to be served. And still, um, the Hoopa tribe has matched the SCESO, Shasta County Sheriff's Office, reward of $15,000. So totaling the $30,000. On information? Yeah, on information. In the case? Yes. 
Um, the major crime unit is urging anyone who has information about this homicide to contact the Shasta County Sheriff's Office at 530-245-6135 or an anonymous hotline at 530-243-2319. This case still remains unsolved. It's basically a cold case. Um, so if you know any information at all, any little detail can help at this point. You know, let the detectives know. Let's call the Shasta County Sheriff's Office with any information that you might have. Like if any of you guys know, or if you're from there, or if you know people from around there, like, you never know. Anything could probably help in this case because it's not going anywhere. Yeah, definitely. And I know this case, like, it kind of reminded us of the movie Dance Me Outside a little bit. If if you little haven't, Margaret. yeah, Little Margaret, if you haven't seen it, it's a native movie. It's awesome. There, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good movie, but it's basically about a girl who gets killed by these two white guys and um, she was at a bar and she goes out with them and they end up killing her and the whole you know the whole movie is like them trying to figure out what happened to her in the end they the authorities didn't figure it out yeah the authorities (laughs) didn't figure it out they didn't even try basically and they're her friends found out who it was and they took it in their own hands yeah, um, but the movie's not all serious. It's got some funny parts in it. There's <laughs> a lot of funny parts yeah. in it. Definitely, it's like a reserve in Canada. Yeah, right. It's, they have another show. It's called The Res. <laughs> it's like a yeah. It's a series. You haven't seen it? No. Yeah, it's like a looks like it has Bonesy in it. <laughs> he looks like Bonesy, the actor. Our cousin. Our cousin Bonesy. <laughs> Shout out Bonesy. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like him. Um, <clears throat> Which, coincidentally, just moved to Hoopa. Right? Yeah, yeah Bonesy just moved. Oh, well, he was Bonesy, supposed to move. Bonesy, get out there and start working on this case. <laughs> you gotta get to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, this definitely brings back some, you know, memories of... I feel like things. we can relate to a lot of things. Like, as a native, we're kind of uh, connected in some kind of way to other natives. You know, Everybody's like when you go related. to like Walmart <laughs> and you see a native and you just look at him and just throw your head up like, oh yeah, hey native. What's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> you got the lip point. Yeah. So like, you, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I feel bad for her mom. Her mom has no closure. She was so young, only 26. Yeah. Like, you know, she had so much more life to live. And, and I feel like her mom probably feels like there's no end and there's no... You know, I mean, thankfully, but not thankfully, that, you know, they found her body and she's not just missing. Because I feel like that would kind of be more like an open-ended case. But still, if you don't know what happened to her, it's almost the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And that there wasn't justice served. And why wasn't justice served? Because she's native? I don't know. Like, do they not care? I don't, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like there's a lot of stereotypes in this case because... She was homeless, supposedly. Yeah, or we don't supposedly. even really know, but she was associated with the homeless camp. Maybe she wasn't even in the homeless camp. We don't yeah. even know. Yeah. And but like they don't look at the the good things. Like she was educated. She did all these other things in the community. You know, like that. Sure. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, she's in a homeless camp and she got shot. Yeah. Like what? What's really going on? Yeah. 
hundred miles away from her house. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know all the details, but it just sounds really kind of like something else is going on here. Yeah. Like somebody ain't saying something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Something we don't know that is going on. Yeah. So anything can help at this point. So if anybody has information, um, please contact the Shasta County Sheriff's Office. Hopefully they'll look more into it. No, think on it. Yeah. You I know. know. Like, you always hear about, like, all these true crime and people will call in these tips and then they don't do anything with these tips. But, you know, hopefully by, you know, giving the awareness out there about, you know, her case, what happened, any information. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to episode one of the Native Sisters podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe to our podcast as well as Instagram. We have a Gmail. Native Sisters Podcast at gmail.com. You want to send us. We also put a post out there about Sherman Indian High School. If you went to Sherman, send us your scary stories. We're going to be doing an episode on that. Thanks for listening to the Native Sisters Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook or send us an email at Native sisters podcast at gmail.com